What is going on, guys? It is Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report coming at you on May the 3rd. Uh, still, uh, you know, spending all my not working hours at the house because can't go out to eat, can't go grab a beer, can't go hang out and play pool, can't do anything that I like to do. Um, certainly not going to be uh, going to the movies or anything like that anytime soon. And there's no sports on. Um, you know, thankfully, the NFL draft took place recently. You know, what the hell are the Packers doing is, is one of the first questions I have to ask. But uh, we, we were able to uh, scrape together some topics with, you know, some name, image, and likeness stuff uh, in, in recent weeks to, to go ahead and throw a show together. And I was lucky enough to have uh, Jim Root join me from the Three Man Weave podcast website um, and Twitter. And I mean, uh, there isn't a whole lot you, you can say about Jim other than that he's one of the smartest college basketball independents out there. Um, always seems to be, you know, pretty level-headed, smart takes, uh, you know, checks his, checks his spelling twice, unlike myself, before he tweets things out. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's actually the third time was a charm here because I had Jim scheduled, I think, earlier this season, back in December maybe, uh, to come on the podcast. And I had to either work a Saturday, which never happens, or, or something. I had something with work or I had to go to South Carolina to see my parents or something. And, uh, and unfortunately we were unable to do it and I never really got back, you know, in touch with him cause I, I tend to schedule guests, you know, three or four ahead. And, um, you know, then I had him scheduled. He was gracious enough to, uh, uh, tell me that he'd be part of the, uh, the ACC BR tournament kickoff show, which I had, I mean, I had a dozen, <laughs> a dozen guests lined up for you guys, you know, to give their takes on brackets, teams, matchups, you know, you know, in the can ready to go. And uh, all we needed was the bracket to talk about. And then, you know, the, the March Madness was canceled this year. So, unfortunately, that didn't happen either. So, uh, I actually contacted him yesterday and said, hey, uh, I'm, I'm going to throw a show together tomorrow. You know, do you got you got a few minutes you can spare, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. And he said, I got all the time in the world. Um, let, let's let's get it, you know, first thing and, and, and we'll make it happen. Um, the, the 20, 30 minute thing kind of went by the wayside as this is almost an hour long. But uh, again, you know, one of the smartest guys that I've that I've talked to, one of the smartest guys on Twitter, certainly one of the smartest independents. And uh, you know, his partners Matt Cox and Kai. Um, I, I don't know Kai's last name, unfortunately, but you know, their show is phenomenal. I think I found it years ago. Just kind of, I think I just kind of punched in college basketball on Apple Podcasts, and I thought they had a they had a cool logo, cool emblem. And, uh, you know, turned it on. It's a, it's a roundtable discussion of these three college basketball diehards that, you know, they must have access to some of the databases, too, because some of the stats they throw are incredible. Um, and, and the way they analyze the game, you know, each of them has their own approach. It's just it's a really great show, really great product with three really great, you know, smart college basketball fans. So um, I won't keep you too long on the intro. Please go to uh, Apple Podcasts or whoever you listen to podcasts with and, uh, you know, leave a rating, leave a review. Um, I <laughs> I'm have my suspicions about some stuff that's, that's going on with the rating system and I'm not real happy about it. But uh, if you listen to the podcast, and I know that a lot of you are, um, as the numbers continue to improve, you know, please just, you know, take 30 seconds and, and go and leave a review, leave a five-star rating or four-star rating even. Um, if you want to leave a one-star rating, don't bother. It's okay. Keep those 30 seconds to yourself. But uh, if you would do me that courtesy, I'd appreciate it. It helps me um, and, and helps the site and helps the product. So I appreciate you. Um, and uh, here he is, Jim Root. Farrell turns the key, drives the lane with three on the shot clock. Doesn't get it. Five seconds to play. Down the floor. Hello, this is Jim. Mr. Jim Root, how you doing, man? I am great. I didn't know you were a Maine guy until yesterday, and now I see the Maine area code. <laughs> yeah, uh, born and raised probably 40 miles north of Bangor, um, a town with uh, no stoplights <laughs> and uh, about 2,000 people. So, nah. How did you become such a Georgia Tech guy then? Uh, you know, I... I uh, <clears throat> Uh, I think it was, well, it was, it was Stefan Marbury's freshman year, um, back when ESPN two was, I don't know if they were just getting started, but it was when a lot of college basketball was being broadcast on that network. And they seemed to, 
have Georgia Tech on all the time, and I saw, <clears throat> uh, I think Tech opened up that season, and I had heard about Marbury prior, and I, I had followed college basketball a little bit, but uh, I uh, I think it was right off the tip, I think they were playing Manhattan, I believe, and Drew Barry comes down one side, Marbury cuts back door, Barry hits him with an alley-oop, and he throws it down, and he's like 6'1", 6'2", and just... I kind of focused in on him, and kind of from then on, it was I, I followed Georgia Tech that season. I thought Kremens was quite a character, and uh, you know, then Matt Harpering, and, and it just kind of got rolling from there. And then I started following the ACC as a whole. Nice. Okay, that's awesome. I like that it came kind of organically like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, unfortunately, I missed the, you know the Kenny Anderson and the Lethal Weapon three years. I wish I would have been more of a fan then, but <laughs> uh, you know, I was only eight nine years old at that point, so. Um, yeah, but you got Luke Shencher. That's, that's, that's right. I did get the big red machine. That's right. <laughs> um, so you're, if I, I might be mistaken, but you're in Vegas now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I moved here last, like right around Halloween, start of the year, and kind of went full bore into the college basketball thing. Didn't really have a full-time job for it. Just figured mm-hmm. I wouldn't get one unless I went full-time on writing it and, mm-hmm. and could really like build out a portfolio and, and have more time to do shows and stuff, so... Well, you do a bunch of here trying to. You do research for better IQ, right? Yes, yes, yes I do. Yeah. Uh, I was there for a while. I just couldn't, uh, couldn't, couldn't get the hang of it, and I just, I, I talked to Waz, and I just, for whatever reason, I, I don't know, <laughs> couldn't really figure out what I was doing wrong. But uh, unfortunately, I, I just didn't have the time when I was doing a couple different things. But uh, what's what's Vegas like right now? I, you know, that place that's so driven by tourism. Is it is it just awkward out there right now? Yeah, it's kind of bleak. I mean, there's the it, the the fight to open stuff that's kind of happening everywhere is mm-hmm. pretty heated here, just because so much of the economy is tied up in casino revenue, and and so many jobs are tied up there too. And mm-hmm. it's just also like one of the least safe businesses to be open for right. crowds. So it's yeah, it's a mess right now. Yeah, I'm not sure how you properly social distance yourself in a casino. So. Um. It's. I hope that it actually opens up out there pretty soon because I was able to uh, take advantage of uh, some stock market prices and I got in on like MGM and Eldorado and some other stuff. So hopefully, um, you know, once the economy recovers, I can make a, a little bit of a pretty penny out of this whole disaster. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's the smart way to do it. Buy low. <laughs> that's right. I always buy low. Um, so jumping into the ACC. Uh, biggest news this week is obviously uh, the, the Wake Forest uh, coaching hire of Steve Forbes, formerly of East Tennessee State. Um, personally, I thought, you know, I was talking to Jonathan Warner um, the other night. You know, it, it, if they do get out of this buyout at less than seven and a half million, that's a huge win. Um, no power six schools searching for for a coach at the at the same time is a huge win, and then you get probably if not the top guy, one of the top two guys that you wanted. What do you uh, what do you make of this coaching hire? Yeah, I love the hire. Forbes is brilliant. I'm, I'm bummed to see him leave East Tennessee State because mm-hmm. that team's been uh, fantastic for years now. Um, but it, it is a great name to pick up. It's kind of like they had the trade-off between we're the only school searching, but then they also have to accept that year one is going to be just a complete disaster because the transfer market's already pretty picked over. There's not many freshmen available for him to go out unless he can get some guys to reclass or something like Mike Young did last year for Virginia mm-hmm. Tech. So I, I like it long term, but short term it, it probably is going to be a nightmare. And that's no that's no slight on Forbes. It's just a tough situation. What uh, what do you think is a a good time frame to expect him to turn that program around? I think year three, you got to see him like definitely around. 500 in the ACC. I mean, year one, kind of a wash. Year two, start to bring in players. And, and he's been somebody that in the past has really worked the, the transfer wire, the grad transfer wire. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't need to be like, get to freshman class, wait till they're junior and seniors. But uh, expecting it to happen in one year is probably a little quick. So that's why I think year three, that's when we'll start to see the turnaround really start to happen for them. Um, you mentioned uh, the transfer market and things like that. Right now, the only... There's only two uh, scholarship players currently not in the transfer portal or moving on from last year's team, that being Isaiah Musius and the Ingraham kid. I, I think we could probably agree that Olivier Sar is gone uh, for sure. I would expect either Maryland or, or Kentucky to put a lot of pressure on him. Um, do you see 
Jacoby Neath, do you see any of these other kids coming back? Do you think he's going to be able to keep any of them? I think there's a, actually a pretty decent chance of it, just because he's such a good recruiter and he, he can kind of speak to multiple different backgrounds. I mean, he's coached in some really small leagues and stuff, so he's got a lot to, to relate to players with. Uh, and it, it just seems like it's a tough time to leave, uh, given the the current environment stuff. The fact that the waiver it sounds, I mean, we'll get to this later, but the fact that the waiver is probably not going to get approved for everybody. So mm-hmm. the sell of you don't really have a lot of um, familiarity with where you would go, and you're going to have to sit out a year, come back and play for me. We can build something here. I mean, those guys are young, and he's only a sophomore. So I, I think there's probably a decent chance that he's able to rope some guys back in. Um, I did notice that uh, the Williamson kid that plays for East Tennessee State averaged 10 points, 2 assists, few rebounds, or the other way around. Um, he's actually from Winston-Salem. Do you think that there's any opportunity for any of the kids at East Tennessee State to, to join Forbes at, at Wake Forest? Yeah, I, I, he probably won't actively recruit them, especially since he wants his assistant to get the job. And mm-hmm. then, you know, that's kind of a, a tough look. But, it, you know, guys are loyal to him. They're some of them are probably good enough to play in the ACC. Williamson, Hodges, probably as well. Uh, so he, he, there's probably a chance he gives them the opportunity if they want it. And I mean, I I tweeted this from our three man leave handle the other day, basically saying, just let him coach that East Tennessee State roster against against Wake schedule because it's going to be so hard for him to build a Wake roster. And the East Tennessee State team is going to be really good. I think probably the favorite in the SoCon mm-hmm. uh, that in Furman. So I, I just think it'd be fun. To, I, mean, I know it's completely unrealistic and a, a total hypothetical, but like, ah, just let those guys play the ACC schedule and see how it goes. <laughs> Do you think, well, I guess an interesting aspect to this was, was the Wes Miller angle. Everybody in, assumes that Miller will apparently or eventually replace Roy Williams at UNC, but he has family associations with Wake Forest. Do you think this is a matter of, of Miller just – just hanging out at UNCG until Chapel Hill opens up? Or was Wake kind of keying in on Forbes instead of Miller, which everybody kind of thought? Um, you know, Miller was the choice, the obvious choice. Um, what, what does it mean for Miller? Is he? What other jobs do you think would maybe suit him, you know, to transition from Greensboro to Chapel Hill? Is anything going to happen in between, do you think? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, it's weird that Roy doesn't have the net out there the same way that Coach K does of, like, Mm-hmm. Here are 15 former assistants that all could have a chance. It kind of seems like Miller's the, the most notable, most successful of the bunch. So he's almost by default. So I, for him, I, I would just stay at Greensboro as long as he's still bringing in talented players, stay close by, kind of stay in the minds of, of UNC fans. Whereas if he goes to Wake, I mean, yes, he's close by, but if they do poorly, like really poorly, as mm-hmm. they probably are going to in year one, I could see, you know, fans that might not understand the nuance of how bad the roster was being like, wait, he's terrible in the ACC. Like, you know, three years from now, they're like, his ACC record at Wake is 15 and 40. We don't want him at UNC. Like, it it probably made sense for him to just kind of distance himself from that job, stay a little more desired at UNCG. Uh, I could see him making a jump before Roy retires, just if it's got to be like an ideal situation where maybe – the previous coach wasn't fired for doing poorly. The previous coach got like a, a better job. So it's not leaving like such a dumpster fire of a roster where he could go in and win right away and not lose some of the shine. I think that'd probably be the only way he'd leave. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting what you brought up as far as Roy and his, his coaching tree. Um, I, I tweeted out from, from on, from the ACCBR account the other day that, you know, the the coaching trees in the ACC right now are actually very impressive. With I think the only one that I couldn't really come up with was you know Leonard Hamilton. I, I said that uh, Coach K, Roy, and Jim Beheim are kind of you know that they have their own trees now, and I wanted to go with with Hamilton as well, but. I don't really know if he has a, a huge list of former coaches. You know, he comes from the Joby Hall tree, but as far as coaches that have moved on from Leonard, even though he's been coaching for, I don't even know, 40 years, is it, not really there. So it's really interesting that you bring that up about Roy because it's kind of the same situation. Yeah, top of my head, I, Dennis Gates, right. guy who just went to Cleveland State, and I think he's kind of going to do a decent job building there, but he, he went to a completely disastrous situation. I longer term than that no i can't think of a ton of hamilton guys off the top of my head yeah it's craziness i i, I just i was 
it was weird as I was kind of working back through that, that I really couldn't come up with anybody besides Gates. That was the only real name that I came up with as well. Um, we, we have been talking about Chapel Hill a little bit. Uh, news came out this year, both, um, uh, Sterling Manley and, uh, and Anthony Harris both get ac- uh, not academic, uh, medical red shirts. So two years, four years remaining respectively. Um, they have a huge recruiting class coming in this year. I think probably one of the best in the nation. What do you think that their their impact, those two players specifically, will be going forward? I think Leaky Black still has a place in this team, though I haven't seen him develop quite like I want to. But uh, you know, are these guys going to end up being on this, you know, with this program for the duration? Do you think, or if you know, if Roy continues to recruit the way he's recruited the last couple of years, are, are these guys, you know, some some players you might look at to to move on from the program? I'm definitely worried about Manley. Just mm-hmm. like he, to me, he seems like he's the fifth big this year with Baycott Brooks back to start, and then two five-star recruits coming in, Sharp and Kessler. So, I, it seems like he could take the Brandon Huffman route of eventually leaving. Harris, that's that's trickier because some of the guards that Roy's brought in have not been good. Mm-hmm. Andrew Playtech, very clearly in the grad transfer market with Keeling last year, and Harris, I thought showed a, a pretty promising level of talent. I saw him live out here in Vegas for the uh, the CBS Sports Classic, and he had 14 points against UCLA. It was like kind of the MVP, the spark plug in the second half. And he was actually supposed to be the guy that did the, the post-game press conference, but he had to catch a flight home for Christmas, so mm-hmm. we didn't get to talk to him. <laughs> uh, but I, I was impressed enough with him that I was like, look, that guy's healthy. He's clearly an impact player. He makes things happen, which was very rare for UNC guard last season. Um, but yeah, he's, he's with Walton and, and, uh, Puff and he's just brought in a bunch of guys, Caleb Love, obviously that if he keeps doing that, I could see Harris getting recruited over and maybe he follows kind of a similar thing here with Jeremiah Francis, where mm-hmm. he left because he probably just wasn't ever going to be the same player with the injuries. Uh, so yeah, I, I like Harris, but I could see him, uh, eventually leaving town as well. Yeah, I, I, Caleb Love is is quickly becoming one of my my favorite ACC players to follow on Twitter. That kid just doesn't give a damn. He'll say anything. That's great. Um, you you know why that's a sore subject for me, right? No, I don't. Fill me in. <laughs> Sorry. He, uh, I'm a Mizzou grad, and he's a St. Louis kid. Okay. And it was down to U- UNC and Mizzou, and we were pretty much just a courtesy inclusion. None of us actually thought we'd get him, but it was the final twist of the knife when we <laughs> saw the you know the UNC decision. Yeah, I experienced that this week as well with the the uh, Kawasi Reeves kid who uh, included Tech in the in the final three. I think more as a courtesy, but uh, I think when we made the top ten, everyone was a little surprised, and all of a sudden we're in the top three, and people start getting a little anxious. And you know, you, all you got to do is look at his Twitter page, and the, and the pinned tweet is the uh, the offer from Florida that's been up there for a year. And I'm like, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how that's gonna shake out. So. Um, yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be sneakier than that if you're a kid. Come yeah, he really, he really, uh, he didn't have many of us in suspense. Um, speaking of some recruiting, uh, two pretty good pieces of recruiting news this week in the ACC. Well, uh, as far as news goes, it's good, but as far as the teams go, maybe not so much, especially NC State. Uh, Josh Hall, uh, local kid from Moravian Prep, um, decides to go the Jalen Luck route um, and go directly to the NBA. Uh, it's a puzzling move, again, something I talked to on uh, Making the Madness with Jonathan uh, last week. But, uh, you know, I don't know his, his family situation or anything like that. Do you see a any chance for this kid to get drafted, or what do you think his, his route is going to be as far as making a living at basketball? I, maybe someone's telling him something, but mm-hmm. this one was pretty surprising. I mean, Jeff Goodman from Stadium released his, like, scouting takes on all these guys that were early entrants. And- yeah. The, the quote on Hall was, no, 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 go to school, please, yeah. all caps. <laughs> that doesn't seem promising. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, there's more that goes into it than I think I'm going to be a first-round pick or something. So I understand that. But if, from a purely basketball perspective, it seems shaky, shaky at best. Yeah, I mean, he's – he's man, he, he can shoot the ball, but he's, he's, he's not real – he's not built for the NBA right now as far as his body – and I mean, I, three and D maybe, but you know, I think it's going to be an overseas or G League trying to play his way into a, a two way contract, and it's going to take a while. He he chose the longer path, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah. William uh, William Jeffress, uh, number ninety three recruit in the country, uh, decides he's going to go to Pitt, which he's a Pitt local. I've watched a little bit of film on him. Um, 
he, you know, he he looks he played a lot of post in um, in high school. It looked like from what I could find on YouTube, but I, I didn't really see him shooting a whole lot. Which I think he's going to play on the wing at Pitt. What uh, any kind of impact in year one, and, and what do you see when you look at a guy like this? Yeah, I watched a little too, and it's like the the label of the video really wants to call him a guard, mm-hmm. and I. To me, it's like he was just the best player on his team. That's right. One of those guys where he was he was bigger than everybody, but also more talented. So they just kind of gave him the ball. He's not. I didn't see a lot of ACC level guard skills, but Pitt kind of has the the hole with like they they you can play a bunch of wings with Tony and Champigny. Although McGowan's is gone, but I think it matches up with what Capel wants to do. I know Villanova was another another school that was in for him, and I, you know he makes sense. He's like I see like a Jermaine Samuels as a comp for him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with Robinson Earl coming back and that team being so loaded, it made a little more sense for him to go to Pitt, more playing time right off the bat. Uh, it, I don't know because Pitt did not get better last year the way no. I sort of thought they would with the, the sophomore backcourt, and without that, uh, I. It's a nice piece, but I'm ready to see, or I need to see something from from Jeff Capel this year with these guys getting up to sophomore juniors versus last year, still a very young team. Yeah, me too. Uh, I had the same opinion. I I love Champagny, though. I think he's a monster. Um, I, you know, I... It's something that we all I always noticed and tweeted out was, you know, McGowan's always struggled on the road. In, in true road games, was was never very good. Um, he did kind of come out of that a little bit uh, towards the middle and the end of the season. But Xavier Johnson has regressed um, after really shocking me as a freshman. Uh, Terrell Brown, I thought, at times looked just soft uh, in the post. And, you know, I expected more from Pitt this year, just like you did. I thought that that, that backcourt would, you know, had potential to be one of the best in the ACC, and that really wasn't the case. They may have put up numbers, but sometimes they would fade and disappear and Champagne would carry them a lot of the times uh, through those lulls. So I think he's going to be a really good player, but um, I think they have a really good point guard on uh, signed for 2021, I believe, which I'm interested to see him. Um, and, you know, if Xavier Johnson finally takes that next step that we maybe anticipated for this season, they can be very good, but maybe uh, maybe he just, there's a scouting report out on him now and, and teams are kind of keying on him defensively. I'm not really sure what's going on, but um, I expected them to take that leap and, you know, I was suspicious of Capel's coaching chops take, going into that job. But, uh, you know, right now, I, I, like you, I'm, I'm kind of wondering. He's got to kind of show me something. Yeah, I, I'm going to just funny sidebar hand up here. I, like, watched St. John's and Pitt separately and was like, man, I really like this Champagne kid for both <laughs> of them. And it took me so long to connect that they were related. It was embarrassing when I finally did. It was like February. I was like, wow, these guys are brothers. I'm surprised they aren't playing together. <laughs> well, they were. I think they were both. They were both predicted to go to Pitt, and then Justin, um, he committed to Pitt, and then like everyone was standing there like Julian is you know is Julian because they were recruited as a package deal, and then I think like a week later he committed to St. John's, and I was like oh okay that's interesting because the, the entire yeah, time they wild, were yeah. they were they were all the crystal ball was was Pitt the whole time so that was very interesting. Um, yeah, you don't you don't see the guys split up that often. The twins. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you know Pitt. That, that would have been great for them because I think both of them are really. Good. I think Justin's a little bit better, but Julian's a really good player as well. Um, yeah, I've been kind of beating a drum on this the last week. I, I did it on Jonathan's podcast as well. Um, you know, name, image, and likeness, the free market value. You know, I'm not necessarily against it. I just I want to see a better way of how to regulate it. Um, I don't trust the NCAA to regulate it properly. I think it's kind of a Pandora's box. You know, I, I brought up the example the other day that, you know, Coach K goes and sits in a kid's living room. Does he bring a booster with him now? You know, is it an endorsement pitch? Is it, you know, what's how does this how does this work properly? I don't know if you guys have touched on it on Three Man Weave or not, but what is your what is your initial reaction to name, image, and likeness as it kind of moves forward? I I'm pro having it in some way just because I, I, I think it's good to let the players get some and then I think it's kind of good for the sport because hopefully it, it incentivizes guys to stay around a little longer mm-hmm. these fringe guys that might not get drafted it's like alright you can still get money if you're playing here if you're like kind of an iconic player at you know even if it's not a huge school but you're around for three years you can go to a car dealership and hopefully get some sort of deal but 
yeah, the regulation of it is a major concern. And just because there are concerns doesn't mean I like don't want it, but uh, the NCA has not really shown a great ability to regulate things like this. I mean, look at all the, the stuff that's going on with the Adidas deal and, and the, the black market of recruiting that's going to come up with this. I mean, if they try to put a cap on it, good luck enforcing that. That sounds right. impossible. Um, but, it, it, you know, to be fair, if a guy's market value is above that cap, who are we to say, no, you can't have that. Like, it's kind of just a, a watered-down version of what the rule is now. So I'm, I'm all for it. It's just going to take a while for them to get it enforced effectively if that even ever happens. Yeah, I think, you know, what I tried to convey, and sometimes I'm not the most articulate, is I'm not in favor of the exploitation of, of free free labor. I mean, that's that's not what I'm arguing. I think it's the right idea for these kids to get, you know, a piece of that money, but it's it's everything that, you know, once you open that door, it's very difficult to shut it again. And, you know, I just... I think it's one step closer to making these kids professionals, which again, I don't, I don't have any, you know, thing against paying them, but I don't watch the NBA. I don't like the NBA. I don't like the NBA's product. I don't like the drama that surrounds it. I, I watch college basketball and I'm a college basketball purist for a reason. So I'm kind of hesitant to take that leap. Um, I just, I, I don't really know. And sometimes I'm resistant to change. So I, I think I just, uh, maybe I'm a grumpy old man at the ripe old age of 36 at this point. I don't know. <laughs> Um, the one thing that I did read on, I believe ESPN earlier this morning was that just because this name image and likeness thing is is moving forward, it does not mean that there will be a return of like, uh, NCAA basketball, uh, as far as EA sports goes or college, uh, college football, just because the licensing agreements would be so expensive and there's so much to deal with also because those video games weren't astronomically profitable for 2k or for EA sports. So just because that moves forward doesn't necessarily win and get those games back, which is a tragedy. Absolute travesty. I, like that was I'm more college basketball than football, but the college football version was always a blast too. Mm-hmm. And so not having those is that was supposed to be one of the big like, all right, we get these players compensated and the fans have all this fun with the video game. And no, no, of course not. That the NCAA can't even do that, right? I'm sure there's actual you know, like you said, the licenses would be crazy expensive, but Man, we'd we'd all love to see it if they can make it happen. It's funny too because uh, you know you and I are both part of this college basketball Twitterverse where everybody seems to want it, and then you read about it, and EA Sports is like, ah, it's really not worth the money because it's not all that profitable. And I'm sitting there like, everybody that I talk to wants this thing and would buy it a year in advance, and you're telling me that it's not profitable. Make it a hundred bucks, I'll pay for it. It's fine. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure they've done the market research, but no one asked me, and I'm all for it. So <laughs> right. maybe maybe do a little extra research. <laughs> um, the the one time transfer rule is something that I'm very much in favor for, uh, in favor of, I should say. Uh, I think a lot of these kids that are moving around right now expected this to pass. We've been talking about it since January. It feels like, if not way before that, um, the vote is supposed to take place on May twentieth. And it comes out the other day that it's not expected to pass. What impact do you think that has with the transfer market this year? Do you think any of these kids maybe return to school or, or anything like that? And and what do you think about it possibly not passing? I think the the, the reason that the NCAA is giving is, is bogus, but that's just me. Well, I haven't gotten an invite to John Rothstein's party that it's not going to go through, <laughs> so I'm I'm still waiting on that, unfortunately. But uh, I did read that there's still like optimism that could happen for next season. Mm-hmm. It's not like uh, we're permanently putting this to right, rest. Right. It's just, um, yeah. Not get not probably not passed on May 20th. Um, I, I would, I'd be very pro it as well. I, I think I've kind of gone to bat on my own personal Twitter for it. I just, there are certainly downsides and I, I've heard plenty of former players say like, Oh, and I sat out. It certainly helped me. But I just don't, I'm not on board with mandating that. Like, if a guy chooses to sit out and uses that year to get better, that's cool. But Mm -hmm. making, forcing this blanket decision on every guy that transfers is, in effect, a punishment, even if there are benefits to it. So it it should be like every guy who redshirts as a freshman or something. It's a choice between the player and the school and the coaches. uh, And that's just a far better way to do it, I think. So I'm, I'm hoping at some point it comes into effect. But yeah, it sounds like not quite yet this season. Yeah. I, 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 sometimes, again, you know, cranky old man, but 
you know, sometimes it depends on my mood some days. Like I don't want to see, um, uh, like we see in the NBA of these super, you know, super teams, but I think we're already getting that anyway with, with Duke, North Carolina this year, certainly, uh, Kentucky teams of the past. Do you think there, there's any, that's going to impact that at all? I, I think I heard Titus and Tate or, or maybe somebody, some other podcast talking about that recently, but I'm, that's not something that really concerns me because I think we're already seeing that. Is that a concern for you? Um, not, not a ton. I mean, I guess they're like, you know, if three guys in the ACC are like, man, we like playing together. Let's all just transfer to Duke this last season or something like that. Like I could see it. I don't, I don't love it in the NBA, but if that's like a, just an offshoot of this, I don't think it's enough to make me dislike the rule or whatever. It's, it would be an unfortunate consequence if it happened a bunch, but I still think it, the the freedom for the players is more important. Um, I want to talk about the ACC as a whole here at the end, but first I wanted to get your thoughts on kind of five specific teams that you know I, I either really like or or I don't understand why people are so high on them. Um, I think uh, college one of the college basketball uh, Instagram accounts released their ACC you know projected ACC standings the other day, and then I saw. Uh, Bart Torvik uh, released his anticipated records in the ACC as well. Um, I don't understand. It feels like all the the Florida State love is a year late. Um, I don't expect the Seminoles to be very good this year after losing that backcourt and losing Patrick Williams. But everybody else seems to be exponentially high on Scotty Barnes, which rightfully so. He's a very good player. But you know, if then you're leaning on MJ Walker after that, I'm not really sure I'm ready to do that either. What are your thoughts on Florida State going into the next season? So I was I was beating the Florida State drum last offseason. Mm-hmm. I was all about them, uh, and I, I just didn't understand why some people were against them. And I'm I'm kind of towards your end of the spectrum this year, where I think people are like, "Oh man, long athletes they just win every year under Leonard Hamilton." Mm-hmm. But that kind of ignores some of the nuance that this team had with uh, Trent Forrest, the point guard, and Vassell. I mean, he's a potential lottery pick, mm-hmm. super efficient guy in the wing they don't have that next year. Like they don't have a, a clear shot creator at point guard. They don't have a super dynamic scoring wing. Like you said, MJ Walker, that guy's been, he's been there for three years and he's been inefficient for three years. So I don't see why he makes some great leap next year. Um, I think the defense is going to be great. They have the, the size and the athletes and, and Hamilton's clearly figured out like how to weaponize switching with that team. Mm-hmm. But if you're anticipating like a, they were 32nd in offense at Ken Palm this year. I don't see how they're top 50. I mean, they sh- should be around like 50th next year. They're definitely going to fall somewhat uh, without without the same kind of creation. I mean, in 2015, they were 144th. I don't think they'll be that bad. But uh, I think there's certainly some downside offensively to where they fall a little more towards the middle of the pack in the ACC. Yeah, it's it's interesting what you said about how you know they they do it with athletes. Well, you know, dating back to the the Malik Beasley Dwayne Bacon class those guys are incredibly talented kids it's not like they're just out there out athleting everybody those are all around really good players and then you have Terrence Mann who I believe was in that same class and he developed over time you know uh, the Jonathan Isaac kid wait is that yeah um, you know not uh, in, incredible defensively not real polished offensively but again talented all the way around and then this year you know Vassell and, and Forrest you know, kind of quietly the best defensive backcourt in the nation, if not one of, you know, certainly top three, top four, top five. But I just, when you lose that backcourt, it's difficult for me to say you're going to finish top three, four in the, in the ACC. It's just very difficult for me. I think you need that. Yeah, I'm probably, I, I, I'm underselling it when I say like, oh, it's just athletes. Like that's, that's you know, oversimplifying. But yeah, they, they just don't have the, the dynamism on the perimeter, if you want to put it that way, I guess. Um. Another team that you know got a bad a, a bad hit this week. Ashton Hagen's staying in the draft. Has hired an agent. Um, looking at Kentucky's roster, I know BJ Boston is very good. Um, the Mints kid from Creighton is is fine. Um, EJ Montgomery going pro is kind of a head scratcher. I don't know a whole lot about their incoming freshman class outside of Boston and uh, and the other wing that I've seen a little bit. The five star kid uh, Terrence Clark, I believe his name is. Um, yep. What uh, I think they're going to put the full court press on Sar, and I think if they do, that's that's a nice piece for them, and I would certainly feel a little bit more comfortable with with projecting them as a top five, ten team. What uh, what do you think about the Wildcats going into twenty uh, twenty? 
Yeah, it's it's question marks all over. I, I'm kind of with you where I don't, I haven't gotten to watch a ton of their freshman class yet. I do know it's pretty highly rated, and I, I, a big thing over at the Weave that we kind of subscribe to is like a program level. Um, so I, I think, despite the fact that like you know, there's definitely questions on both ends of the court, just questions with with uh, experience. Mints, I not a huge guy uh, on Mintz coming over from Creighton. He was like one of their least efficient players on a very good offense in 2019. Mm-hmm. But all that said, Calipari year after year has kind of figured out a way to, to keep the team really good. I mean, he's only had one down year where they went to the NIT and I don't think this team is as bad as that one. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think it will end up being that, that bad. Uh, some of the comparisons to like the, the five seed in 2018, I think make more sense when it was, Pretty heavily freshman reliant. Kevin Knox is the the highlight of that that team. Him and Gilgis Alexander. Uh, so that's kind of more what I expect. But I have a hard time like just knocking them and saying they're like, oh, they're the 18th best team. Like I'm kind of probably going to err on the side of being too high on them and having to reassess midway through the year when the freshmen haven't come along as much as I had hoped. That's that's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I, like same as you. Like I said, I, I don't. I told Jonathan the other day, I I don't know anything about the the Ask You kid. Um, or there are two bigs. I, I don't even. I can't even remember one of the kids' names. But I know that Boston is just a phenomenal player. I've been watching him since he was a freshman in Georgia, and hoping and praying that he would end up in Atlanta. Which once the blue bloods start calling, you know, it's that's kind of game over there. You know, nobody wants to yep, deal. Yeah, I feel your pain. Kill Love. <laughs> that's I feel right. Nobody wants to deal with the academics at Georgia Tech, so they just, they just go to Athens or go somewhere else. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think SAR is a huge piece. I think that's almost a must-get at this point. But, uh, I, you know, every year it seems like I, I look at Kentucky and I say, first of all, where's the shooting? And somehow they make it work. And then usually by the midseason, like, just like last year, they're, you know, one of the top teams in the nation somehow. So Calipari is – he might be a little greasy, but the guy can coach his ass off, I think. Yeah, last year was one of the big examples where we, we kind of like – you know, they lost to Utah on a neutral floor and then lost to Ohio State the next day. And people kind of like, ah, maybe this Kentucky team's not really that good. And they weren't blowing out bad teams, which was also not helping. Mm-hmm. But stick, sticking to the guns of like, I think they kind of figure it out. They've got guards. Uh, that that was at least the last year's roster did. So I, there's, a, there's a decent chance that it happens again this year. But I, there's certainly a, a floor that's lower than normal for a Calipari team. Yeah. Um, another team that got some good news this week, uh, Marcus uh, Santos Silva, VCU transfer, winds up in Lubbock because, of course, um, with Texas Tech. I, I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion that Jemias Ramsey's gone. I think he certainly should be. I think everyone's kind of on the same same level there. But, you know, as far as Chris Beard goes, the guy's a wizard. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't baffle me if Ramsey decided to come back. Um, with him, assuming, assuming he's gone... What do you think uh, Texas Tech's ceiling is this year? I love them. Me too. I think they're a top top five ish, maybe top ten. But I would not get offended if someone said top five. We we did a mailbag episode on three man weave where someone asked like uh, futures odds teams that were undervalued, and William Hill has Texas Tech fifty to one still right now. Ooh. And I just I don't understand that. I mean they. They're going to play incredible defense under Beard. That's that's a lock. They've got a little more size now with Santos Silva and the, the Juco shot blocker that they brought in. And then offensively, still got Moretti, still got Edwards, and a lot hinges on Damari Burnett coming mm-hmm. in and what, he, what impact he's able to make. But, man, a Chris Beard team 50-1 to 1 that you know is going to be like top 10 defensively, sign, sign me up. I love them. I, I think they're going to be really good. Sounds like you're in the same boat. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, now that they have a front court, I think I, I would love to see Tyreek Smith healthy. Um, I watched him a little bit in high school. He's a guy that is, you know, a, a high-level rebounder as far as potential goes. He's a shot blocker, something they really could have used last year. Uh, you know, getting in Tomboy um, eligible is going to be huge. And now, obviously, with Santos Silva, I, I, I'm in the same boat. I think they're top eight school, I think. Um, one team, and me and Jonathan were on different sides of this when we were talking the other night, is that I'm not real high on for next year is Baylor. I think losing Freddie Gillespie in the front court is absolutely huge. 
Um, he's talking, you know, Baylor's a top five team, even without Gillespie. I'm assuming that means with, with Jared Butler coming back. But where, where are you with the Bears? I'm, I'm a little bit lower without Gillespie. I think he's a huge piece. So they, they kind of fall on the opposite end of the Kentucky spectrum here with like the, the program level mm-hmm. where last year they really kind of outplayed it uh, and, and got above where Baylor normally is. Although Scott Drew's had some really good teams in the past, but like being ranked number one is not something that we've seen out of Baylor. So I, I expect just a little bit of regression naturally. Um, no one really made shots against them last year. And yeah, Gillespie gone. You got to fill that with, with Flo Famba or if Tristan Clark can ever get his knees figured out, maybe he can be a presence in the paint. But uh, I, I like the Mitchell Vitale combo defensively. Mm-hmm. I just, I think maybe that stretch towards the last two, three, <clears throat> excuse me, two, three weeks of the year where they dropped three games, probably more reflective of where they'll be. I, I mean, I have them as like a top. 10 team for sure next year maybe yeah, maybe not for sure but top 10 ish but I, i'm not up there with like they're going to be fighting for number one again as they were this year um yeah i'm, I'm in there I, I you know watching them play i watched them play maybe more than than any other team outside the acc uh, of, of anybody but um i i must have caught jared butler on some of his on all of his worst games because everybody talked about him and every time i watched them play i was just like Okay, I mean he's good, but I, I just I never really saw it. Now he's you know some people are saying he should go pro, which I really don't understand. But um, a high level college point guard, obviously, given his numbers. But I just must have caught him in some of his worst games of the season. <clears throat> yeah, he doesn't he doesn't like leap off the the page as a pro to me. Just like one of those highly productive guards. I kind of equated to Tyson Alexander at mm-hmm. Creighton, where. I mean, they're both good on both ends of the floor, but the professional prospects are a little dicey. And obviously, Alexander's for sure gone. Hopefully, Butler uh, actually comes back. And just as, as much as we can keep those guys, those level of guys in college, that's that's good for the sport. Yeah, one of the parts of the conversation from from Friday night was, you know, it, I, I'm of the opinion that guys like Jared Butler, they're more important to the college game than a guy like Jalen Green. And kind of what I what I talked about was Jalen Green has has the right to go get paid, earn his money, and do his thing. That's fine. I will I'll never miss him. I'll never miss Jalen Green at the college level because I've never seen him play anyway. But a guy like Tyshawn Alexander, Jared Butler, those guys going pro that I think that's what really hurts the college game. Yep, I I totally agree with that opinion. Like I've talked about this with Matt Cox, another one of the three man weave guys, where he's like, I mean, I guess unless you're missing someone like Zion. Sure. Then you know you're. It, it's it's okay to have the the one or the none and done rule come back. But like when you miss Zion, you don't know that you missed Zion. Right. Like even if he goes and dominates at the pro level, you're not able to like project it back and be like, oh, he would have been the sensation at Duke that everyone would have loved and people would have lost their minds over. Like you don't know that until you're in hindsight, and even then you're just guessing. So you, you kind of can't miss what you never had. That's is it. what I'm saying. Uh, last team I want to touch on, you touched on them earlier, but we didn't get too far into it, is Villanova, who is absolutely loaded next year. Um, obviously one of the favorites for the national title. I don't know what their odds are, but they have to be uh, one of the favorites. Uh, what do you make of, was, of this was, Wild State? It was 20-1, to 1 and we thought it was absurd. Wow, really? They were 20-1. Yeah. yeah. I think there's, they're slow moving on, uh, on changing those odds, maybe because <laughs> we don't there's, know if there's not a lot of people working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, I love them too. I, I thought that was absurd. I, like two or three years ago, when they won, they were twenty to one in the preseason. Uh, it was like the year after they lost to Wisconsin, and then they ended up winning it all. It was like twenty to one is just not not reasonable. This team brings back like everybody. Robinson Earl not even testing the waters is huge. Uh, they like I wish they had like a slightly more dynamic point guard, but maybe someday I'll stop doubting Colin Gillespie and. <laughs> figure it out because he's just really good and, and let a let a really good team last year and with all the weapons they're going to have next season i mean somebody like brian antoine is just a complete luxury a five-star that barely played could could be a piece next year but like they don't need him to be and they're still a top five team it's crazy they're like you said just completely loaded gillespie is maybe my favorite player on FanDuel and in, in college basketball FanDuel because like every every day they have a game I get on FanDuel and he's always like sixty two hundred and he just 
I mean, just puts up numbers. Like he's not out there scoring twenty, you know, twenty two a game, but at the end of the night, he's just he's loaded up the box score. And I, I know I played him when he was available. I bet seventy percent of the time on FanDuel is crazy. <clears throat> yeah, he, he he's like I, he gets all the Archie Diacono comparisons, but I think he's like clearly better than yeah. Archie Diacono was. <laughs> um, one last thing, and I'll let you go. I'll let you get on with your Sunday. Uh, you released uh, on your Twitter, what was it, two days ago, a few days ago, um, the, yeah. t- the tiers that you have for the ACC as well as some other of some other conferences. Uh, five, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna come at me on those. Well, I'm ready. I'm I'm going to. Yes, I, I have a I have a, a big problem with with two things. Um, well, actually, three things. No, I'm just kidding. Not a big problem, but I'm I'm interested to see you know to have a conversation about it. Um, Louisville in the second tier. At number three, ahead of UNC, I thought was interesting. Um, David Johnson obviously took major steps forward over the course of the season, but but had some kind of some clunkers, which we expect from a true freshman coming off an injury as well. Um, Samuel Williamson, I think, needs to take a huge step forward in order for this team to be effective next year. I think you know the Dwayne Sutton loss, Jordan Wara, those are two huge losses. Hopefully, Malik Williams can stay healthy, but I think Stephen Enoch was. A huge part of that team that nobody really paid a whole lot of attention to. Um, when they seemed to dump it into him in the post, good things tended to happen. He's gone as well. What, what makes you so high on Louisville going into next year? Uh, I do have a tendency to overrate some mid-major transfers at times. So mm-hmm. I will I will own up to that in advance. But I love Carly Jones. Mm-hmm. I think he is a perfect fit there. Kind of allows he and Johnson can alternate being the guy with the ball in their hands, which I think helps both of them. Uh, and then you, you, may, you mentioned Williamson. I think he like just kind of lost confidence, got buried behind some guys with a lot more experience than him last year. But I, I liked the flashes I saw. And then a big part of this too is is program and Chris Mack. Mm-hmm. I, I think Max. I, I put him second in, in ACC coaches. I know that's probably going to be uh, ruffling some feathers or those rankings too. But I think they're going to be able to figure things out on both ends. I, I, in the past, I've kind of like the past two years. I think I've been a little bit on the on the cooler side on Louisville, and this year I'm I'm kind of swinging the other way, where I'm a little higher than the consensus. Uh, Nor is like disappearing act in a couple of the like mm-hmm. the, the ACC stretch where he just vanished. Um, I, I think maybe they'll have a little better chemistry too. I, it seemed like they kind of wanted to, to defer to him, but it ended up like not not always working smoothly and. I just kind of like the fit of next year's roster a little better, but admittedly could end up being too high on them if I'm over-relying on Jones and even Midland too yeah. in San Francisco. Um, how much of a concern is it for you? And I, I've written about this and we, I've kind of talked about it ad nauseum. Um, how much of a concern is it for you for, you know, Jones who's coming from Radford averages, you know, 20 points, five assists, five boards. He's a player. Um, him going from Radford all the way up to you know top level ACC play. What do you think is a reasonable expectation for him? Well, the the precedent for Big South caliber or Big South Player of the Year caliber guy going to the ACC is not great. <laughs> After Christian Keeling just completely uh, tanked yeah. at at North Carolina this year, so I guess I'm I'm nervous about it to an extent. But I do think Jones is just a significantly better player. Yes. Uh, he's better with the ball in his hand. He's better creating for others. Whereas Keeling's kind of like a, I, I he was like a grab defensive rebounds and push in fast in the fast break, and that doesn't work in the ACC. He doesn't have an athleticism advantage at all. Whereas I think Jones is more refined. So I I don't expect like crazy numbers. I, if off the top of my head, maybe something like twelve points, three rebounds, four assists, or something. I think that fits well alongside Johnson and Williamson. Yeah, I think that's reasonable as well. He's he's a tremendous player. I I was a big Radford guy, not last year, but the year before. I think when they went to the tournament, and they were always a good watch. I, I really enjoyed watching them guys play. Um, tier three uh, in, in your rankings was basically looks like mine will look here in a few weeks. You have you know kind of a huge belly there with with one two three what eight teams in there um, from Florida State at five to Georgia Tech at twelve. I don't know if I'm well. Clemson, I think, hinges on Amir Sims, but out of this out of this group, what uh, what team do you think is, is the most intriguing, and why do you have you know G Tech at twelve when their their fan base kind of feels like they're on the verge of, of a tournament berth? I I think that, so. This tier is really flat. Like I I would have Georgia Tech favored at home against 
Florida State, like mm-hmm. number five. So it, it's they're they're pretty they're all pretty similar. Uh, nitpicking wise, I'm not a big Josh Passner or Jordan Usher guy for Georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah, I I watched too much of Usher in the uh, the Diamond Head Classic last year over Christmas. That's the only basketball that's on. And there's a game. I think it was Hawaii where he got ejected yes. and Georgia Tech immediately went on like a 15-0 run. And yeah. I was like, yes, that that adds up to my eye test where I feel like he kind of is erratic and doesn't take great shots. Um, he, so he, reminds me of, he reminds me of um, the movie when we were kids, The, the Mighty Ducks, the, the kid they bring in, the, the enforcers, like the kid with the bad attitude is just out there to cause mayhem. That's, that's Jordan Usher yeah. on a basketball court. <laughs> yes. I totally buy that. I'm glad that I'm like talking to somebody with more uh, touch uh, in touch with the program that kind of agrees too. Like that was my outsider take. <laughs> I'm glad the insider kind of kind of agrees with it. Um, but you also said like most intriguing team here for me, it's Miami, which yeah. is I, I I don't know if people are on board with this or not, but I I love that top seven uh, likes. I get the concerns with him on defense defensively. He's tiny. But the sophomore guards, bringing Timberlake, Nazir Brooks is a, is a beast coming in from Cincinnati. And Larinaga just got, they just got ravaged by injuries last year. So I think that kind of leads to some undervaluing from people entering this year. And I love the Canes next year. Me too. I, I, I'm a Chris Likes fanboy since he's, since he's been there, basically. And now I'm kind of an Isaiah Wong fanboy. So, I mean, what he did at the end of the season, everybody kind of missed it because Miami's record was, I mean, they were fighting for the basement and everyone just kind of overlooked what he was doing, but he was, he was incredible. you know, the last third of the season last year. Yep. He and and Beverly are both like, you know, former top 100 guys that took, it might've taken a little bit. Beverly killed off big time last year, but I think they're both talented and, an extra year of an off season with Laren Nega developing. Uh, I, I just think that team is kind of like a, a ticking time bomb waiting to go off. I want to talk real quick about in, in a good way. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Way. No, I agree. <laughs> I, I love the Timberlake kid. I think he's going to open some eyes. I think he's one of the more undervalued recruits coming into the ACC. Um, Notre Dame real quick. They lose Fluger. They lose Mooney. They lose TJ Gibbs. Um, I, I think that they're going to be, really bad next year. Uh, I just, you know, Prentice Hub is great, but he's short, he's inefficient, and he shoots way too many threes. But without Mooney especially, and, and without Gibbs kind of hitting some threes here and there, I just, I, I don't have a good outlook on Notre Dame. What are your, what are your thoughts there? I'm, I'm hiding behind Mike Bray and the program. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I can't really go to bat a ton for the roster. I totally agree on Hubs. I mean, he's just like, his default is, oh, nothing's happening. I'm shooting from 27 feet away. <laughs> Sometimes just only hitting backboard and it's not great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of think Bray can figure it out. That There are certainly holes there. Hopefully the, the Stanford kid coming in, Cormac Ryan, can help. Um, if, you, if you, like, pushed hard on Georgia Tech over Notre Dame, I would, I would not push back at all. I, <laughs> it's kind of just like a, a program thing for me and – Bray versus Passner, but uh, yeah, not not super passionate on that one. Um, and I, I saw you kind of walk this back after uh, somebody somebody said something to you on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but tier four you have BC, Pitt, and Wake uh, in that order thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. And that, so, you know, somebody said Wake should be in their own you know tier five. Is that is that something? <laughs> I, I think I believe yeah, it. It. Was, <laughs> it was Jonathan Warner. Was it, it? Jonathan <laughs> Warner that said it? Yeah, and I he said it, and I was like, oh, you're completely right. I <laughs> I made these tiers before they I, actually I think before they even fired Manning, uh, and then you know Sar leaves and uh, Masu leaves, and I was like, yeah, that's they belong completely alone in, in tier tier fives and. He was right. I acknowledged it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I am interested, though, uh, you know, in Pitt at 14, uh, below Boston College, uh, you know, below maybe even Clemson, I think. But uh, I, are, are you just down on Cape? I know we touched on this earlier, but are you just down on Capel? Are you down on, you know, the roster makeup as a whole? Or, or what has you, you know, ranking Pitt so low? A little down on Capel. And, yeah, just the fact that I didn't see any improvement last year is mm-hmm. like, if, if there wasn't some progress up, then even even like if they do progress some this year, I think the ACC is better as a league. Mm-hmm. That's that's a big part of it. Uh, and Boston College was had a better ACC record than Pitt, shockingly, despite 
completely getting ravaged by injuries. Like Tabs missed the whole year. Uh, Popovich was in and out of the lineup. Thornton missed a couple games. Uh, so I, I like Christian. I think he's he's actually like kind of decent. He just hasn't really gotten talent. And some of the guys that were good went pro earlier than he expected. He got a nice grad transfer class coming in. And it's interesting you say this too because there are a couple people that said you have BC too low. Uh, including Kevin Sweeney, CBB Central, and mm-hmm. somebody else said that too. And so, like, it, it's, uh, it's it's interesting that you can look at Pitt and make the case for them to be higher. I think you can do the same with BC. Uh, it's all it's all how you look at it in the preseason, unless you're Wake Forest. Were you? I guess this is kind of a two part question. Were you shocked that Jim Christian was 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 retained? And what do you think is is the best that you know BC can hope for as far as a replacement for him when the time comes? I I was kind of surprised. I almost think it's symptomatic of the, the yes. times yeah. where um, I was surprised that Wake was going to keep Manning too, but mm-hmm. then they they came up with the surprise firing. Um, just thinking like locally, regionally, a guy I really like in that area. They this might be too big of a step up for him, but Becker from Vermont yep. would be a really really interesting name. I mean, I know that's kind of how. Boston College is hired in the past, like somebody that's done really well at a lower league. I always with, think um, Jamie and Christian is is kind of a natural fit. I guess he's kind of. I don't know, man. Area. You think you think you think BC fans can deal with another Jay Christian? <laughs> that's a good point, man. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also don't know how they would react to him only staying two years before he goes to his next job. So, yeah, I mean, he's really he's left around. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, you know, they they got. Christian from Ohio didn't didn't seem to work out that well. Donnie Hugh from uh, Penn or from Cornell at that time didn't work out that well. So I don't know if they'll like try to find somebody from like a mid or middle tier assistant off of like a, a higher staff. Sorry, uh, yeah, an assistant off like a better staff rather than going the mid major out. But mm-hmm. I, I think Jamie and Christian's a solid name. I think Becker's a solid name. Um, if you wanted to get wild, James Jones from Yale, but that'd just be a whole different thing. Pulling it, I guess they've done it, taking yeah. an Ivy League guy that before. That but really didn't work out either. No, so <laughs> I could I could see some plenty of resistance to that. Um, I, I'm curious if it does open up. There hasn't been a lot of success there since Al Skinner, so they're kind of just like taking shots in the dark. Yeah, and I, I believe it's the lowest paying position in the ACC. I, I often question whether or not Boston College should be part of the ACC instead of you know, the Big East or, or something like that. Just, they don't really fit. I understand it's probably, it's a football thing, but, you know, they don't really dump money into the into their basketball program the way some of these other guys do. But it's always interesting. They're kind of an outlier in, in the conference. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I, I did a, an article on our website, shameless plug at com, but it was like the basketball budgets and Boston College is by far the lowest in the ACC. Yeah. So it, just fitting to your point. All right, man. I, I really appreciate. It. I know I kept you longer than I said I would, but I, I thought it went very well. Um, uh, if you want to plug your stuff, go ahead, and I'll uh, I'll let you get on with uh, the rest of your Sunday. Yeah, hey, like I, like I said when you asked me if I had any free time, I was like, I got I got all kinds of free time, so I'm not <laughs> I'm not missing anything right now. Um, yeah, check check us out on Twitter at three mw underscore cbb. That's the the group handle. I am at Second Chance Points. I'm doing like a daily thing where I'm releasing tiers on, on conferences. Today will be the American. Like I said, ACC came out a couple of days ago. Um, and then, yeah, just check out our site, our pod, if you're looking for more College Hoops content outside of this one. And uh, we'll, we'll keep trying to fill the void in this off season here. Yeah, it's getting a little thin right now. I'm, I'm running out of stuff to talk about. So Yeah, my, my to-do list today is brainstorm podcast ideas. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. You too. That was Jim Root from the Three Man Weave podcast website. Um, one of the smartest independents uh, on Twitter, uh, on the web, as far as college basketball goes. They are 
one of my go-tos as far as preseason predictions and projections and, and previews and, and roster. They break down every team in the nation from every conference in the nation. The guys are just incredible. Him, Matt, and Kai. They have an excellent podcast. Absolutely check it out. I'm sure if you listen and, and hang out with me, you're already listening to them. But those guys are absolutely incredible. Uh, don't forget, like, rate, review the podcast. Share it with your friends. Let everybody know. Um, you know, like Jim and I spoke about, it, it's... At this point, it's it's kind of a crapshoot. There's not a whole lot happening, so I'll, you know I'll try to scrape together a show as, as best I can every now and then during the off season. But we probably won't pick it up full time again until maybe July is is kind of what I'm shooting for. So uh, follow me on Twitter at accbr1. <clears throat> and uh, again, if you guys have any questions, concerns, comments, topics, if you guys ever want to do a mailbag, accbasketballreport at gmail.com. And uh, I guess that's it. Don't forget jump. Oh, by the way. <clears throat> Everybody jump on Apple Podcasts, okay, and, and please go to ACC Basketball Report and, and leave a rating, a, a favorable rating and review if you guys need to make a comment. That'd be great. I, I certainly welcome all comments, but I think there has been um, a little bit of fuckery going on uh, with the rating system on Apple Podcasts. I think somebody, and the, you know, I have my suspicions, but they'll remain nameless, is... Uh, is out there uh, throwing out some one-star reviews, which, hey, they could be legit, and if that's the case, cool. But uh, I, I don't believe so because I had one, the only one-star review I had coming into last week was from uh, the first three months that I started doing this podcast when I had it kind of tailored after, you know, a bunch of different podcasts that I enjoyed and it was not very well received. So since then, we've I've made the transition as far as, you know, format, certainly language, um, and the type of humor that I try to incorporate in the show. So, um, you know, I hadn't received a one-star review in mm, two years, I believe. And then all of a sudden this week I got three. So not real happy about that. If it's legit, I can deal with it. If it's not, I'm pissed. So if you would, please go back, uh, Apple Podcasts, ACC Basketball Report, leave me a favorable rating, and let's pump that rating back up a little bit to where it should actually be. Because if someone's fucking around... I'm not real happy about it. So, as always, I appreciate your support, and uh, I'll get you guys another show as soon as I got enough material to uh, to make one up, and uh, we'll we'll get started on working on guests, and I'll get started on rankings and all that stuff that'll be released later on in the summer. I appreciate you. Later.